So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This episode is the continuation of Halloween Horror Nights 19, ripped from the silver screen. I am Matt, and joining me again tonight is my co-host, Quinn. Hello. Karen is still in Germany. She should I'd love to say she's out on assignment, but she's actually living her own version of Halloween Horror Nights hell. She's doing some SAP. I'll, this might not mean something to everybody, but I'll tell Quinn this: she's doing some SAP work in Germany. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's just, <laughs> it can't be fun. No, not at all. So hopefully she'll survive that. Be back with us next episode. But until then, we're back to our roots. Just me and Quint. And we're, I was going to say, picking up where we left off, but we kind of ended pretty succinctly. We're going to just continue talking about the event. We're moving on to the houses. And let me take a look here. There might be, I know you're going to have your preferences. Let me just see if there's one we absolutely need to save to last you know what? In all reality, any of my picks for last are probably already in your head for last. So I'm going to let you walk me down the street again on this one. So I think um, I I hope you're not opposed. I think I'm going to do the I, the licensed IP mazes first, not and then we'll start getting into the the really good. In my opinion, the really good stuff because uh, the licensed IPs in this year aren't really um, anything that I'm that excited about. Yeah, so let's talk about and them I, first. I agree. For anyone that's just picking up this episode, didn't hear the last one. This is like the um, well. First off, to to set the stage, this is the year I went to the least since I'd been going multiple times because I. <laughs> assigned to a project in vegas which normally people don't bitch about going to vegas that much but man talk about too much of a good thing and it 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 overlapped with halloween hard nights on top of that these were three licensed properties that weren't in my wheelhouse so it's yeah i wasn't super excited about the marketing aspect of it but of course it's halloween hard night so i'm still excited about it so i just want to kind of set that stage for when I kind of trudge through these IPs, like Quinn just kind of said, it's going to happen. <laughs> All right, let's let's dive right into the Wolfman then. So, also, another another thing we needed to um, kind of recap from last episode: the Usher story. The Usher. The um, to recap real quick: Julian Browning, he died after an altercation with a patron in the Universal Palace Theater. Ever since his untimely death there have been mysterious deaths that have happened at this theater some say it was cursed some say it was julian browning the usher taking revenge on these rude patrons here is the icon story for the wolfman again every one of these stories have as a one word title it plays out like a movie this one was called savaged this is a story told by two young girls that were in the Universal Palace Theater when a man who was, I don't know if he was completely uh, unimpressed or uh, not entertained or just being a, a, a jerk, was like laughing 
at the horror movie. Like when the scenes were really violent, he would be laughing, kind of just doing the opposite of what you are expected to do watching one of these movies. And of course, being a rude patron and upsetting or maybe not upsetting, but distracting and probably irritating everyone else watching. Well, and during one of his outbursts of laugh uh, of inappropriate laughter, this this almost unidentifiable beast comes out of nowhere, attacks a man, rips him to shreds, and disappears again. Now, hence the unidentifiable beast and attacking uh, kind of the the jerk of the story ties into the Wolfman. Right. Yes. So. Okay. So. All right. Good. I w- I would like to ask at this point. Um, is this a good time for us to talk about the the Q text adventures? You know what? I didn't do them, and so I don't know much about them. So, oh, okay. Anyone that does, it was, yeah. Um, I, I think I, I think this could be a, a good side episode if we found someone who does. Anyone out there who knows them, uh, just because it's like play up to eight, choose your own adventures on your mobile phone while you're in the queue line. That sounds pretty cool. And what's actually neat about that is that each house is identified one through eight so that for the game you're playing. And which one is this one? This one is how? Oh, it's one. This is house one. Well, it actually makes sense. If it is the first one you come across in the um, park. Yep. So, okay. I am sorry. I jumped from my notes. So, Savage. Savage. <laughs> Wolfman. Sorry. Wolfman. Soundstage 22. This is actually, it's kind of funny. It's like the entrance is where you would enter for American horror story last year and this year and Jack's uh, presents the year before. I don't, maybe this was the biggest house, but this was before the biggest house was the biggest house. If you catch my drift. Yeah. This was before they started using that full sound stage. Yeah. And it was before they would actually pinpoint. This is like right now. The biggest house is a selling point. It wasn't back then these years. In fact, you've probably I didn't really note on note it or listen to myself. I don't think I've ever actually said that phrase before because that wasn't a selling point. It has turned into one. I think it really turned into one with that walking dead one that we absolutely loved in 24. Yeah, I think so. So, okay. So the Wolfman. this is a hard one to describe because I mean, it's, it's easy to describe, but it's hard to relate to the movie. Cause I didn't see the, well, the movie wasn't even out at this point. And I think I watched 20 minutes of it at best. I mean, Benicio del Toro, I love him in roles like the collector, but to right. carry a whole movie is difficult for me to watch. That's why I'm excited for him to be in in episode eight. Yes, because he's going to be a very strong supporting character. Right, not carrying the movie. Yes, yeah, I, I have nothing against him. It's just his style of acting. That's what I'm going to say. His style of acting does not lure me into an entire movie with him as the lead. No, you don't have to don't have to sell me on it. <laughs> okay. So all right. So but we do we do get it is a again, it's it's a house for the movie. Starts off with a, a wrecked uh, gypsy camp, uh, blood splattered, uh torn wagon trains, uh table slipped over. The, the idea again, I guess if, if the movie had been out, and then you can kind of piece it together too, with it being the wolfman. The wolf has ravaged the entrance to this building. So from there, we actually enter the woods, which is kind of interesting. You go inside to go outside. You're not outside, but you're in an outside setting. Not the first time we've seen that. Actually, think of uh, Evil Dead. We did the same exact thing. We went inside to immediately go outside, an outside setting. Mm-hmm. So we go into the woods. There's a hunter shooting at the wolfman. Um, they do have – it's it's one of those cross paths things. Hunter shoots towards you, so you're distracted by the loud sound. You look at him. You turn to the side. 
there's a wolfman jumping out from behind right. some of the trees. Good scares. Again, good makeup. Wolfman visually is a good design. So it was a good yeah. good pick for a house. So out of the woods, you go into a tavern. And again, there's now now this isn't wrecked, but it's you can tell the wolf is present because they the windows are boarded up. Doors are chained. There's a barmaid behind the bar screaming about the wolfman. We don't actually see the wolfman in this scene, but we're kind of led up to the fact that we're going deeper into danger in a sense. Right. So through the tavern into the ice house, which is kind of attached to this, <laughs> I don't want to say a uh, series of buildings. There you go. I was going to say strip mall, but series of buildings. So ice house, <laughs> which is since the wolfman has ravaged the town, the bodies have been pulled into this ice house to preserve them so that the local authorities can figure out what's going on. So very, very, very cool visual ice house with bodies on ice. That's creepy. You got the nice, almost white clear slash white starkness with ravaged bodies laying all around. That was a cool room to work, to walk through. I'll give the Wolfman that. Yeah. Sounds cool. Again, they, they do a good job with a lot of those rooms, like oh, yeah. whether it be like containment chambers or you know that kind of stuff. There's always a really good creepy factor that the mannequins and the the makeup that they use on them are usually really really well done. I like those rooms. Yeah, I agree. Out of the ice house, we go into an asylum. They have um, patients jumping out, scaring the hell out of you. You got shock scares. There is a centerpiece character, obviously, and it is Lawrence Talbot. That is. The Wolfman, Benicio del Toro, not as the Wolfman. He's strapped down, made up, uh, gaunt, pale skin, surrounded by screen. It's it's almost like it, this is actually kind of funny. We're saying this. It's almost like this sounds like a Mariagana therapy. He's strapped down, surrounded by screens showing moon rises as part of his treatment, and it's making him positively insane it's not transforming him because it's not a true full moon but it's driving him absolutely out of his mind didn't think of this putting the notes together two years ago that this sounds like a mariagana treatment now at this point now that i'm saying it out loud and telling the story definitely does not sound like the right thing to do (laughs) it does sound like a mariagana treatment you're right (laughs) i mean nothing she she decided to do sounded like the right thing to do yeah no of course not (laughs) It, it it was more one of those things where it was like Pick the exact opposite of the right thing to do, and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, the proper uh, treatment hasn't cured you, so obviously we have to right. do the complete opposite. And as I did point out, she did pretty much cure all of them. <laughs> Wasn't a single person that suffered any longer. Right. So, so okay, the line passed. The line moves past this series of screens, and once you move past, there is the transformed Wolfman. This is where we get our—I don't know what you call it. This is our 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 star performer, our star character. This is the main design. It is impressive. I mean, it looks great. The lighting—I'm sure lighting has a ton to do with this because it is. I mean, it has to be a suit. You don't have the CGI enhancements that you had in the movie, but it was a, a pretty stunning sight. How did it compare to Werewolf in London? It was different because Werewolf in London was, um, those were puppets. So they weren't restricted by, you know, a torso, limbs, and legs. This was a suit. It actually is, it's not, think of the Wolfman uh, creature in the horror makeup show, but Gorify it. That one's a slightly 
friendly, a bordering on friendly looking right. character, even though it well, chases I get what him. You're yeah, so it's but yeah, it's I get, I, but yeah, I get that's an impressive costume too, even though it's not that horrific. Yeah. No, uh, you, you make that you make that blood and gutsy. That that would be a great costume. Yeah, so, yeah, awesome. So from there we move into the Talbot Mausoleum. So more chance to play with the starkness of the marble and the stone and throw some characters characters in there uh in different nooks and crannies another great design element to the room um we kind of end where we start we go back into the woods and the we have um the hunter again but it's more that the uh it's it's more focused the first one was the 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 hunter caught your eye this one is just kind of the hunter is there to wrap up the scene but the wolfman is unfazed he's howling at the moon he's kind of sort of chasing the hunter even though the hunter is, is shooting back but but it is more it's it's the first room the outside room again but more tipped in the scale in the favor of the wolfman and that's where we end so really not bad um unfortunately i can't say that it's like a good uh representation of the movie because i just don't know the movie so well it may have nothing to do with the movie and that might be a good thing who knows I don't know. It sounded like a fun maze, at least. Sure. Yeah. Visually fun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just get to go through it and and uh, have a good time. You, you know, get some good scares. At least the scares were there. That's the thing that I always look for in these mazes where I'm not, it's an IP thing that I'm not that interested in. Are there good scares, at least? Like, can I go through and get my blood pumping and come out of it going, well, at least I got the shit scared out of me, you know? <laughs> what American Werewolf in London did where this didn't and i mean we're talking it's it hasn't happened yet but they did and this is also because of the movie itself it was iconic to the movie the um um they didn't have any in between they didn't have benicio half wolf yeah. type thing but they did have him the crazy benicio that is and I've, i i don't know that i've ever outright said it but uh i really like the um kind of uh, uh, Psychoscarify is one of my favorite properties. Uh, I mean, probably second behind Body Collectors. I kind of like the realism of the when you get a, a realistic uh, the, the Psycho Wards that type of thing. I always like that. I really like the Asylum yeah. in um, um, American Horror Story, and that's what I'm excited about this year. So that room in particular, because it's him going insane in a Psycho Ward, is probably the highlight of that to me. That's the one that really. I enjoyed, and it still made my skin crawl at the same time. Yeah, I can see that. That that's that sounds definitely sounds like a highlight. All right, uh, let's skip over. We're going to go to the house number six, which is the saw maze. Okay, for the Usher story, this was the film or the story that was called Trapped, and this was about a businessman who is talking on his cell phone inside the theater. Okay, good. I, I'm I'm behind the story already because I know this guy's gonna die. <laughs> I know this person <laughs> should die. Yeah, exactly. No matter what, yeah. it should die. <laughs> he couldn't get a signal on his phone, so instead of going outside, he started to climb up the staircase and he went across the catwalks that are above the theater. Well, the old rusted stairway that connected the catwalks gave way, trapping this man inside a complete mess of corroded twisted sharp bloodletting metal and he didn't die right away 
I put that in the story because that's how I want it to go. He bled out. It did say that he bled out. He bled out and he wasn't found until much, much later when the smell of the decaying corpse finally drew the attention of the theater workers. It's still too clean a death for him. <laughs> I agree. But it's very saw. And that is what this yeah, story is behind. Definitely. So this was in the Jaws queue, which just plain does not exist anymore. I mean, I. Nope. Yep. Yeah, I miss Should Jaws. But I cannot discredit Diagon Alley. That's another conversation for another show, but I had to make that statement. Oh, I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with you there. I mean, oh, Jaws was great. Someone but... will argue it's the internet. Well, yes, but those people are wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Saw. So, of course, based on the movie. Q line had just these various murals of uh, victims from the past five movies. And along with the murals, there was a large screen showing uh, is highlight reel the correct term? I guess when it comes to Halloween Horror Nights, yes, a highlight reel for the first five movies. So after the queue line, you the first room you really entered uh, in the house proper was a warehouse. And in this warehouse, there was cages of torture devices uh, of all kinds. A lot of it was directly inspired by the movie movies. You had like the plastic box um, that you... The uh, I believe she's a heroin addict that she had to reach her hands in to get a heroin needle, needle where razors went one way, but they didn't go the other. So she had to figure out how to get her hands out. I'm sure there had to be a dull hacksaw from the very first movie. Mm-hmm. All kinds of things you've seen. There was things that you didn't recognize because this obviously gave the creative department an opportunity to kind of dip into their the dark parts of their mind and think, hmm. Was there a big ass blender? Yeah, <laughs> there may have been. I didn't even think to look for it. Oh my god! Jeez. How about a big ass saw? Maybe. Damn it. Well, <laughs> I'd have to go back in time for the saw part, but so, but all kinds of stuff that just like it like almost hurt your eyes to look at. It was so freaking deadly. So <laughs> after that, uh, you there was actually nothing in that house to necessarily there was no jump scares i should say the 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 room itself was scary next from that you run into billy that is the puppet on the tricycle i don't think i've ever mentioned the name the jigsaw killer i've been saying billy so it's like obviously the jigsaw killer is the guy behind all this so well billy the puppet is like the mascot he's he's what they use in the marketing that's why i've been saying his name over and over again you get billy approaching you on his tricycle you get the warning do you live? Do you die? If you've seen the movie, you've heard it. Even if you hadn't, it's mm-hmm. pretty basic. You've probably heard it in the commercial. From that, you finally get the first character room. And in this room, you walk in. There's a single actor. And as a recreate, this is great because this I recognized at this point, I hadn't seen Saul, but at least I can identify with this. It is the first Saul movie. It's that room. It's, uh, I don't know the character's names off the top of my head, but it's, um, Carrie Elwes, <laughs> that's what I always the which I was shocked right. to realize. Like that guy looks so much like Carrie Elwes, I was shocked to find that it was actually Carrie Elwes in that movie. So it was that scene. It was him in that uh, that I I want I always say jail cell, but it's not a jail cell. It's 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 the room. It's got a it's got the bathtub. Well, it's not a. Well, I mean, jail cell doesn't have a bathtub, but it's a it's that disgusting bathtub room with the dead body and him chained and him just and torturing himself on what to do very good recreation especially when you know if you don't even i think almost everybody knows what the first saw is so that worked really well for me cool 
Next room. This featured the pig mass killers from which I had to look up. I believe I narrowed it down to Saw 4. I'm still not entirely sure. Halloween Harna, at this point, it's I'm starting to get with, with 26 passing. <laughs> and I was talking about a couple things from years past. And now, again, there's there's a very uh kind of there's a theme going on a here motif. pig heads but it's not like it's not like they're choosing to do it the scary tale stuff makes sense because it's the three pigs american horror story used pigs and saw used pigs i don't know that there is and again it's me not saying i'm not saying there i'm not arguing there isn't there's me saying i do not know if there is a something about pigs in horror lore that i've just never picked up on before i don't know there, there was a pig in texas chainsaw as well wasn't there a pig head on the counter somewhere probably most yeah. likely okay i guess i just never picked up on it because it's like i would grew up with three little pigs they were so fine they're getting bullied by a wolf they're not scary they're pigs yeah it's taking me till i'm like way too fucking old to realize they're frightening as hell <laughs> you got nothing on a fucking clown though <laughs> yeah right luckily i don't have kids so i'm never going to a petting zoo so this had the this 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 had an, uh, the pig mask characters that we've talked about before. I mean, they are just fantastic. I don't necessarily know that they use the exact mass over, but they probably save the molds because they're much more durable and last stand the test of time. So they're able to mold the mask yeah. in. So they have the pig mask characters jump out at you. They're scary. And first, they jump out at you. Then when it's not human, when it's like and, it's, and beyond Uncanny Valley, it's scary. So great effect. I mean, obviously, that always works no matter what. Yeah. Uh, from there we go into Jigsaw's deathbed. Now this, now I know having seen the movie, I had no idea what it was or who this really was, but it's Jigsaw's deathbed. Uh, I think this is Saw five. He's lying in bed with, this is the literally his deathbed. He is dead. He's lying in bed with his throat slit. His killer is over him with an electric chainsaw. Well, I, it's electric because we're inside, but you ha- it's a chainsaw with these sounds, much like Texas Chainsaw last year. So he had just, depending on when you came into the scene, he had just killed Jigsaw. You're next. Back and forth, back and forth. Chainsaws, they're good. I mean, you can't go wrong with a chainsaw. Chainsaw's always good. It is, yep. <laughs> we go it, from there. We it walk- is the song of my people. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, I got to write that down because you just made the 2017 t-shirt chainsaw <laughs> on the front on the back. It says it is a song of my people. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So from there we go through a room of different traps. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, it isn't, it isn't, it's, it's not a maze, but it is a, a room I liken it to now I'm getting to the point where I can compare them to things you've seen the Freddy versus Jason, uh, steam, uh, uh, not steam room, the boiler room where it's like, it's all all rusted, but there's like, as you walk, there's different things to see. There are different traps from the saw movies. Characters are acting or are acting them out for you to relate to the movie. Again, it's, it's a, it's an IP house. So they're doing that. So, um, the final room, it's kind of a, uh, it's a round room, a circleish room. There is a spiral on the floor. Uh, there's some lighting effects and a little bit of steam, and this has just a little bit of everybody. It's mainly the the pig mask killers that are s- 
the attackers in this room, but with that spiral on the floor, there is a spiral motif. If you see Billy, he's got spirals on his cheeks, mm-hmm. but, but, but along with that pattern and the lighting and the smoke, very disorienting, it's kind of a finale room. We've talked about things like these before, but this is the Saul version of that. Cool. This house wasn't necessarily scary because they was, and again, either they designed it as, or were, within the agreement of the saw franchise to design it as kind of a living showcase of saw. It was fun. Yeah. I wish I had known greatest hits for the movie, right? I wish I had known saw better when I went through it. If I had went through it after I had marathon, the movies, I probably would have had a kind of a different story to tell about it. Unfortunately I didn't. So that's what I pieced together for our show. The interesting thing for me on this one is like when I looked at the the list of 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 mazes that we had to go through this year, I would have put money on this one being the Bloodhouse. Okay, I can see that. Yep. <laughs> you know, just based on what I know from the Saw movies and all that shit, I was like, yeah, this this is probably the Gore House, right? I will. But I will apparently not. I will tell you, this is way fucking better than the Saw ride in Thorpe Park in Staines, England. Okay, we took a train from london to thorpe park because we when our last trip to london we wanted to go we had not been to a theme park in europe so we wanted to go see it theme park is a fucking misnomer amusement park i guess we should say we picked this one over alton towers which was a mistake we picked this one because it is the only one that had a couple of ip things we wanted to see what they did compared to what we're used to because everything here in universal's ip much of disney is ip well disney is an ip obviously they had a saw ride there. You load onto a. Did they not tell you that it was the seesaw ride? No, right? No, it is saw. It is saw. <laughs> you you okay. you load on a cart that is much like uh, the mummy or Gringotts. You know, it's a okay. roller coaster, but it's a very short train. Yes. You go. They they release the train. Billy comes at you. You hear the liver die thing. You go towards a giant saw that's coming at your head, and then you have your first drop, and you go outside. That's it. The rest of the roller coaster is just a roller coaster. That is what passes for an IP themed ride in Europe. Oh, trust me, dude. I've been to, to <laughs> amusement parks in Europe. Um, they're they're not of the caliber of what we've got here. I mean, unless they're labeled Disney, yeah, Paris or right, something yeah. like that, they are just not what we've got here. Um, I've been to the one in it's Granalund in, in Stockholm. I, I I'm butchering this the the um how how you say it but it's the same thing and it's um oh yeah it's special place i got on the um their marquee coaster which is called colossus and there was a rest hole that i could see right through i'm like wow this can't be legal <laughs> all right but we digress heavily uh let's move on to chucky let's let's finish up chucky. the licensed ip houses so, for the Usher story, the film or the story, whatever you want to call it. I like to think of it as a film. Fits in with the Usher thing. So, I'm going to call them films from now on out because we got five more to do. This one was called Insane. So, after the showing of a particular film, film wasn't named, probably not important, someone or some group of individuals were leaving behind some modified and grotesque-looking toys. They were so disturbing that several Patrons had reported having bad dreams, visions, and one of them even seek, was seeking psychiatric care after seeing these disgusting toys. No one was ever seen carrying these items in or being placed into the positions that they're found in. 
when the theater closed, all these toys that have been put in a lost and found box disappeared. Now, the story here ties directly to the house. These toys from this story were put into this house. They are Chucky's friends till the end. That is the name of the house. So these toys directly are in this particular house. Excellent. Chucky's collecting some of the toys. <laughs> yes. So friends till the end in a sprung tent house. So we pretty much can guess the layout of this. Actually, this is kind of funny. Now I think about it because you get the disturbing toys. You get the toy motif. Uh, I believe dollhouse was a sprung tent. And there's another toy motif one that's escaping me. That was also a sprung tent. So it's like the sprung tent has a history of disturbing toys. I might have that wrong. I'm sure it'll be pointed out to me if I do. It does. Um, the Dollhouse of the Damned was one, was in that. Thank you. Tent, that's it. it. Dollhouse of the, of the Damned. That is what it's called. Yes. That was one of the creepiest fucking mazes ever. <laughs> that is one. And we'll get to it when we get to that year. But I do want to mention that's one that I walked through and went, oh, Dave and Quinn are going to think I'm stupid for liking this. But it got they like must have taken a ton of feedback on it because it was so much worse slash better when you guys went through than I went through it for the first time. Right. It was creepy as fuck. All right. So, all right, let's get to the Chucky one because then we'll, we'll, we'll be past all the IP stuff. So the story here is that this is a fun house, a little bit of a world, an attraction that was set up by Chucky himself. And if you don't know who Chucky is, I'm sure you do. He's the insane doll. Uh, I think he was a, wow, this is going back. This is going back. Christ, before Halloween Horror Nights even started, when the first Chucky movie yes. came out, I believe it was an executed serial killer that inhabited Chucky in the first movie. I don't know if that story still stands, but I'm pretty sure what, that's what the first Chucky was. If I recall correctly, that was what it was, and that was in the 80s. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And I want to say John Ritter was in it, but that was Problem Child. That's a completely different movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You went there. Okay. So, all right. So with it being set up as a fun house in this twisted, bizarre world, we start off by walking through the spinning tunnel. Okay. That we all love. Yeah. It all knocks us on our ass the first time we go through. It doesn't matter how many years you've gone to Halloween Horror Nights, and no, no matter how much you're going to tell me it doesn't mess with your equilibrium, the first time you go through it, the next year, it messes with you. You can tell me different. Nope. I won't believe you because I know what. It does to me, and that's all that matters. That's I know you're lying if you tell me different. <laughs> right. So, but but the idea behind this, this is actually a story element. Um, and you and again, this is one of those things that you have to know by being in the Halloween Horror Nights community, by diving into the website, by talking to people, by hearing things from the creators. The casual person isn't going to get this necessarily. The idea of this is you are being transformed to Chucky size, so everything. Right. And this is larger than normal life because you're actually smaller than you normally would be. That's the idea of it. Yeah. And and they use that they, they use it as a transformative piece every time. Sure, yeah. Like actually it is it's it's a transition or a transformation a tra- yeah, absolutely, of yep. you every time. It and is. It, it's a great it's a great way to do it. It is. Yep. It is. So the first area you go to is the Good Guy Doll Factory, because that is the brand of doll that Chucky is. So in this, you have a lot of boxes, and in these boxes are a lot of holes that Chucky's can jump out of. Oh, fuck. This is just a pure scare the shit out of you with Chucky Room. That's what this is, and it works, because it's Chucky. He is frightening. Yeah, he is frightening. 
Next area. This is this is fun. Again, I'm not even going to say if you heard last episode. I'm not going to speculate on this is too early in history, but obviously it's not. The next area is for Tiffany. This is Chucky's bride. So bride of Chucky obviously was a thing by this point. So we get and and I'm talking. And they both they both made an appearance in 25. They did. Yes. Yes. So Chucky's bride, she has her own thing. So it's a little more girlish doll thing. But again, everything's larger than life. Um, some places for Tiffany to ch- jump out at you. Wouldn't surprise me if maybe some Chucky's dipped in there because it's it's his house. He's going to probably be everywhere. I don't recall. I could be wrong about that. But it's definitely a Tiffany room. So this room is um, next room. Next room. This is a big distraction room. This is a very dark room, very dark walls, lots of boo holes that you're not seeing. This is, they, I don't know, I haven't seen Bride of Chucky, so I don't know that this is a thing or not, but the characters were melted dolls characters. These were like the factory malfunction dolls. This was, it's like living dolls is one thing. I kind of got a thing with uh, ventriloquist dummies, which I shared last year. Living dolls aren't too far behind. (laughs) So, like, uh, these kind of melted, defected, half, even dead, even though dolls are already dead characters, those are a little, those are a little freaky. They they hit your, uh, they hit that borderline for you. Yes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Next room, next room. We're, again, we're in a toy themed fun house so we have some other toys finally well i guess those were other toys because they weren't chucky or tiffany but we have green army men um uh, oh cool yeah uh they were shooting you with pop guns and these are those like loud air pop guns and <laughs> those were pops they were they were air pops chucky would pop every once in a while with a real gun which had a fucking combustion bang <laughs> so once your ear gets attuned to one thing and then bam the other thing comes yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool I, I you know you're selling me on this house actually so we're actually in the final room again sprung tent not very big so we get in the final room we're back in the factory again this is your last encounter with chucky and it, it's it's not a chucky it's chucky's because you're going out on a bang boxes it's uh Again, um, uh, the first part was factory, kind of like the packaging department where you had boxes. This had some boxes, but again, the factory thing where you could put in very large props for Chucky to hide in or around. So one last rapid encounter with a bunch of Chuckies and then out. I do not recall and I do not think that there was a Chucky anywhere at the exit like we learned uh, there were in Halloween and again in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm not saying it wasn't a thing yet. I'm just saying I don't recall there being a Chucky. That would have been a good place for one if there was one, but I don't recall any. Very cool. See, I'm, I'm right now, this is like, this is my way back. <laughs> oh, <machine>. really? Okay. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, right now, we've only talked about three mazes oh, and they were yeah, all the, yep. the licensed IP, but, but of those three, this is definitely on the way back machine because this one just sounds like a the creepy toy factory from hell that that just sounds fun. Yeah, that's actually a good description. That's that's that is that would that would be a good blurb on the map. All right. So from Chucky, um, you were right. It gets interesting, <laughs> um, but I think we should go to the spawning. All right, spawning the spot because I, I really want to know what Fangoria is all about. <laughs> actually, I don't really. I, I not even really. I don't have any info on that because 
It's, I just I, not that there's not to be found. I just didn't pull any. I mean, I saw it. I clearly saw the Fangoria thing on there, but it just didn't didn't occur to me to say anything. I can probably look up quick. Let me see. It's okay. Just keep going. I'm looking it up. Okay. Cool. All right. So the spawning. So as far as the Usher story goes. That movie is called Missing, and it's about three teens that went to repeat viewings of a hit horror film that got progressively louder and ruder with each showing. At the last night of the showing of that film, it was also those teens' prom nights. The teens had snuck into the theater through the exit door with their dates, but after that, they were never seen again. So, hence, Missing. So, they were... That I guess their story pans out in the spawning is what I'm trying to say. Uh huh. So as far as the maze goes, this is in Sprung Tent Two. So this is in, over by the Chucky area. So okay, um, real simple. Uh, not the strongest house of the year. Think of Futurama, the sewer scenes of Futurama, just not as whimsical. Okay, you know what I mean, like a city built underground. Yeah. So you walk through underground sewers. Uh, instead of the <laughs> like the wisecracking colorful mutants, you entire you encounter gross, slimy, gray Pantone creatures. Uh, they actually have a name that you found on the website. They're called Scuddlers. So th- uh, there's not a whole hell of a lot to tell you past that because think of traversing an underground sewer where it was. Um, adapted to be a living area for these creatures, and that's what you have. You have your 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 common area. You have the you've passed some living areas where people have set up camp and or not camp, but set up where they live. And the the real thing about this is was it wasn't it was so dark and so gray that there wasn't much walking away from this with remembering. What you saw, it was more the experience because it was cold, it was dank, and it constantly had that tactile feature of water dripping on you. And with the setting that they were giving you of this being a sewer, that was gross, even though there's absolutely nothing wrong with the water. It was nice and clean, but you get the idea that you're in a sewer and you see these creatures that jump in and out of you, uh, in and out and scare you, and but you're getting wet the whole time. Makes it feel gross even though nothing wrong with it. So that is the entirety of my notes of the spawning. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. I I mean, it just sounds like a kind of a sort of generic monster maze. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did find a little bit about Fangoria and it it was a, it was a shtick, I think. uh, And it was, it was created uh, as part of a partnership, Uh, Fangoria radio host, uh, Debbie, uh, Rashan and Fangoria magazine editor Tony Timpone. I have no idea if these are real people or not because this <laughs> is from an, a u- universal um, uh, email or letter or whatever. Um, but it's basically they're just kind of they're trying to tie this stuff together. And these guys are basically doing an event about two cult classic movies, which is The Spawning and Leave It to Cleaver, which are obviously not real movies. So I right. think all of this stuff is just like this backstory of these these guys who are doing a radio show and a magazine called Fangoria, and they're doing all of this stuff behind the scenes. Um, they're partnering with this uh, 
let's see. Uh, uh, just, just, it's just another shtick that they did that's similar to the, the comic book that they did and the, the, the other properties. And I just never seen it before. And it's, it's kind of a cool one. Okay. Yeah. That is neat. Yeah. But, um, which, I mean, runs us right into Leave it to Cleaver, which I've been looking <laughs> forward to hearing for many, many years. We'll start off with the Usher story or movie, and I still apparently can't decide which one I'm going to call it. This is called Severed, and the theater started offering new items in their concession stands, primarily hot dogs and hamburgers. Now, I know you know most about Leave it to Cleaver, so you're probably already <laughs> going, mm, mm. <laughs> They used a local supplier. Yeah. <laughs> they used a local supplier, and the meat had a unique taste to it. One family, a family of four, was attempting to have a nice night out at the movies and make a dinner out of it. Things went horribly wrong when one of the kids found a severed finger in their food. In a bizarre twist, after this incident, the family couldn't stomach any fruits or vegetables anymore, and the only meat since then that they could tolerate was this special meat from this butcher. This butcher leads us to leave at the cleaver. And I think you know where this is going. Oh, yeah. All right. This is in the old disaster queue, which the disaster queue just has a special place in my heart because it was the last time, hopefully not the last time, but the most previous time we have seen run one of my favorite modern mazes. I know I'm in a possible minority about that, but I love to run blood, sweat and fears from 25. Oh, you're not in the minority in this group. Not anyway, this group. I, I love run that. too. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So, just waiting in line in queue, there was a video that would play over and over again, and it introduced the story of Sam Meats and the Meats Meats, M-E-T-Z, M-E-A-T-S. This is the company of, or the butcher that you're, again, story-wise, the butcher you're going in to visit. So... Sam Meats, his grandfather, founded Meats Meats after immigrating to America in World War I. They started with butchering pigs, but when business started to lose money and we hit the Great Depression, they started butchering the other animals, primarily hobos, criminals, people that were in the factory, you know, whatever they had on hand. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. when they once they got that going, this this new product that they put together was a huge hit. And made the town a nicer place to live because there's no hobos and criminals or people in the factory. Right. <laughs> so another big element to meets meats that has stood the test of time is the meets meets mascot. And this looks like Bob's big boy with yeah. a chainsaw. I don't know how to describe it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I love this whole thing. I mean, any, this is just, Meaty Meats is like one of the best things that they've come up with ever. Yep. So, okay. So, uh, Meaty Meats, you, you kind of have to have the image in your head because this is the thing you see the most. It's like, I say Bob's Big Boy. It's it's kind of like Bob's Big Boy if he's modeled after Archie Comics. I mean, that's it's got the rosy cheeks and the red hair, but still got the big Bob's Big. Actually, shit. You know what? He looks a lot like Lard Lad. Now, Lard Lad's over there at Universal. He looks like no, a thin does, Lard actually. Lad with red hair. Yeah. All right, that's a better yeah. way to put it. Thin lard lad with, with red hair. So I wanted to put that image in people's heads because that is the thing. You see this over and over again. Him and other employees of Meaty Meats 
are the characters in this. And you start this maze by walking into Meets Meets. And the first room is like the employee room. It's a locker room. It's a clock room. There's employees jumping out from the counter from the lockers, scaring the hell out of you. Next room. Fucking brilliant. It's a daycare facility. <laughs> and the, these kids, hold on, I'm not done. These kids are not just being cared for. They are being trained early and being taught to bleed and butcher their product while they're being set in daycare. Oh, that's even worse than where I was going, where it was just <laughs> like, you know, the they meats? were just. No. Yes. No, no, this is. Oh, this is awesome. That's actually worse. Yes. So from the daycare center. You go into the kitchen, and this is where this is the blood. This is, I mean, we are butchering meats. I, there is the, there's got again, a, a single identify. Actually, no, I know it's not. That's in another room. So it's the, uh, we, we just got all kinds of blood and gore and chopping and cutting, and it's, this is this is the room. <laughs> you, I mean, if you're you said when you said this isn't the blood house, I'm like, no, it's not because I know what the when you said I'm sorry when you said Saul isn't the blood house, I'm like, no, it's not because we're going to get right. to it. This is it, and if nothing for nothing more than this room, it is a shit show of gore. Love it, awesome. Yep. So next room from there, it's actually kind of goes out of sequence if you think about a production line, but who gives a shit? You go into the livestock room now, and by livestock, we're talking about people in cages with chainsaw-wielding characters either lining them up for the slaughter or slaughtering them. This is the first, you know, this is the kill floor. So I guess they're pulled from there into the room that we had just saw, into the butchering room. Oh, man. So... uh, one of the slaughter cages, uh, this is worth mentioning because we're doing this uh, chronologically, is that in one of the slaughter cages, there is a woman being beheaded. Well, I guess, I mean, actually, I take it back. She's already killed. Her head's being taken off. So I don't know if beheaded, if you need beheaded, you need to be alive or not. Either way, she's being beheaded. My point is the propped head that is actually being removed from the dummy is a Bloody Mary head from Halloween Horror Nights 18. Oh, cool! Yeah, so that's always cool to see the the reuse of reuse of, uh, of props and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the, yeah, yep. Um, so, next room from there, we get cuts of meat hanging from the ceiling, hanging from the walls, blood stains everywhere. Of course, um, out of the hanging meat room, I guess is the aging room. I mean, you need your fine meats aged. Who doesn't like a good dry aged? What's what's the equivalent of a ribeye from a human body? Mm, a ribeye <laughs> okay it's still a ribeye just a little smaller it's still a ribeye oh, okay then. at least that's what i'd call it i mean <laughs> right, okay so it doesn't have, like a nice dry aged ribeye so i mean i'm sure they sell those right. pretty well ne- from there we go into another I, I don't know why i'm bothering pointing out blood covered because i'm sure that you are assuming everything's blood covered but you're in a blood covered hallway this leads into the freezer room where the meat is packed for sale we've actually seen this again or you've seen it for the first time in a very weird way this freezer was and the the point of the freezer is it's not so much that they're 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 packing the meat it's the fact that they have those drop clear um walls those strips of plastic sheets where you can't quite see the and they're bloodstained you can't quite see the person behind them all of a sudden they they whip it open and they scare you that's the the point of the locker we see this again in 25 but they mash it up with psycho scarepy home for the holidays so it was like the christmas freezer with the pantsless santa claus very weird well 
when I think about it, it's not a very weird tie into the two, but that's where we saw it again. But I, I, I'm kind of jumping ahead in history so that we went through the freezer room. We're into the last room, and this is the butcher shop. This is where you can actually shop and dine, and all the meat that you've just seen is on display and for sale. This is the this is a room where you see a Samuel Meats character himself, and even though he's happy, his his uh, apron is completely bloodstained. He's perfectly, but he's still perfectly happy to serve you a fine cut of meat, and then that's it. That's where you leave. So this house alone is just a classic and it's also legendary because Sam meets in all the videos and all the pictures that are hanging everywhere is Mike Aiello. If you, yeah, that's where I was going shocked, with that. Yeah. That's news to anybody, but if it's not, no, no. there you go. And this thing was yeah, littered with pictures. They did like a Forrest Gump where they put him with all kinds of famous, uh, yes. bad guys from history. You know, <laughs> they did a yep. lot of Photoshop that's, work. It was pretty cool. Yep. So I, I've been doing a little more Googling and um, Debbie Rashawn and Tim, uh, to, sorry, Tony Timpone are actual re, actually real people. Both of them did work with uh, Fangoria. One of them was, well, both with Fangoria magazine and, and uh, uh, Debbie also did work with the, the radio show for Fangoria and all of that stuff. She's been prolific in, uh, in, in like, uh, horror movie stuff like she's in a ton of b-movie horror movies oh, okay, nice. she's also she's also done like um you know the covers of vampirotica magazine vampirella magazine that kind of stuff she's done a ton of that stuff um he not is not quite as prolific as her but he's done some of the movies as well uh things like that so i guess they were pulled in as you know part of the pr for this stuff with orlando and um, Fangoria Entertainment Partners. So yeah, there, there's definitely a tie in there, and a lot of a lot of really campy movies have been done by by the two of them. Oh, okay, cool. That's pretty cool. Which I didn't know that cool. much detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's she's uh, let's see, she was uh, November third. Uh, she's forty eight, so born in sixty eight in Canada, Vancouver. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and he was, uh, let's see, doesn't give his complete details here, uh, but he's been working since like 93-ish. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, 93-ish. I think he's also Canadian, it looks like, or at least he worked in Canada for quite some time. So, yeah, pretty cool. I wonder if Fangoria was but founded yeah, that was, in Canada. I never. What's that? I said, I wonder if Fangoria was actually founded in Canada. I don't know. I, I haven't had enough time to actually get through as, as much of this as I wanted to, but <laughs> it was just kind of cool to see like all of the, all the, the stuff that they have done and that they were, that Fangori was a real thing and they were doing their thing. Uh, yeah, that's cool. It's, oh, hang on. Fangori magazine, da, da, da. American horror fan f magazine published since 1979. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So New York. Was, oh, okay. Well then. Okay. Uh, 80s and early 90s was the height of its popularity, but um, but yeah, they did a lot of, of behind the scenes stuff and and like, they did everything. It's <laughs> they're pretty pretty cool. As if uh, as if the uh, Wikipedia is catering towards our show. The Shining happens to be the cover of the sample image on the oh, God, Wikipedia yes. entry. That's funny. That's very timely. It does <laughs> it, extremely. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I found on those two. Okay, cool. And, that uh, I did not that, know. That, that was awesome. 
All right. Uh, sorry, I got sidetracked. So That's we okay. are okay. done with the spawning or done with leave it to cleaver. Uh, let's go into uh, the the old or, or the resurgence yes. of the old movies that we like so much. Let's start with Dracula, the Legacy in Blood. Yes, this I have been waiting to talk about for many, many, many episodes. So let's get right to it. So first, the Usher movie. It is about a bride that doesn't show up on her wedding day. Uh, there is a remake of a famous horror movie being played at the Universal Palace Theater. She has actually grown nearly addicted to this movie, reciting the movie from line to line, sitting alone from the balcony. That's where she presumably is on her wedding day. When police finally realize that this is not a simple case of cold feet and that she's <laughs> she's like really purposely missing the wedding because of this addiction, they start to search the theater. She's found behind the last row of seats in the balcony, still in her flowing wedding dress, clutching her bouquet of roses, but her body is completely drained of blood. And this mystery is never solved. That leads into the story of Dracula legacy and blood. So this is in style. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's actually a pretty neat story. Actually, that'd be a good urban legend. So Dracula legacy. Legacy in Blood, this is in Soundstage 23, so we got a lot of room to work with. And I say when I say we, I mean Halloween Horror Nights as a whole. Obviously, I didn't do anything. So there's a lot of room to work with. <laughs> so, again, uh, to kind of set the stage, it is this is the chance the creative team took to take two of the biggest characters that built the horror genre, the horror genre, and kind of make their own thing out of it, but still be the story of that character. And for Dracula, they went back to the source material and told us the Dracula story that we know as Vlad the Impaler. Okay. So we start off with an elaborate castle facade, and the outside of it is very... Uh, Vlad the Emperor like they have a, a literally not an exaggeration a dozen of impaled enemies of Vlad lining the courtyard of the entry of the castle sitting amongst That's the, cool. sitting amongst the bodies is a not a very ornate chair but a, a, a big chair a throne of sorts without it being too gaudy a throne with a table where this version of Dracula sits drinking a chalice filled of these impaled enemies' blood. So that's before we get in. So now we're going inside. <laughs> and now we're inside Dracula's castle. The castle, it is a castle. They just, how they pull off these things inside uh, amazes me. I mean, we were on a ship in the... Um, uh, Midwinter's, uh, no, Forsaken. Yeah, we're on a ship in Forsaken. We're... Uh, on a spaceship, we were in. I don't know what the hell we we're in. And saws and steam, spaceship in interstellar terror. Now we're inside a castle. Not the first time they've done this, but again, as impressive as the last time. So, a lot of stonework, a lot of tapestries, a lot of wrought iron scon- uh, wrought iron sconces. Very, I mean, it's, it's 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 a castle. This is where we first meet Dracula's brides, which pulls in the story of the Usher's movie. So we have several types of brides, or we have two types of brides in a sense, several brides, I should say. Some are beautiful, some are the monstrous. From the tapestries, as that 
is where the bull holes are. They are ducking in and out from uh, the tapestries and some other hidden doors. Once you get used to looking for them behind the tapestries, lo and behold, there's another boo door. Most of them are Dracula's brides. Every once in a while, we also have another Dracula's character that pops out, but more or less, it's the brides in this room. From there, you move through a stone hallway, and you go through a lot of these hanging red and black curtains. They block your view. They block your view for the drop windows where there's characters in the hallways. Right. Yep. Every, yeah, always effective in every house they use this in. And so um, you're mentioning lots of, of Dracula's brides. Was this like pseudo hothouse? I guess so. Now that you mention it. Not really. No, I mean, it, it is the closest to it, but I guess I didn't really think of it as the hothouse while, while attending it. But I guess it is because eh, I really can't think of it. Oh, I mean, those came and went, right? Like, yeah, they don't those always came have and went. So I was right. just kind of yeah. curious. Yep. Yeah. Um, this was probably like the most eye candy ish for both men and women because because Vlad this version of Dracula was not the fifty year old Bella Lugosi. He's a very striking, very right. fit, <laughs> young, man, powerful man. So I guess so. Not hot, but the eye candy. We'll, we'll, we won't take it as far as hot. We'll go up to eye candy. How's that? Sounds good to me. Okay. So all right. So once we get out of this hallway, we're in a room of statues characters. Um, so yeah, they are statues. We've seen the weeping angels up to this point. We've seen that before. These were armored knights. So you did have some, uh, I say they were statues, but I guess they were like armor on display. That's where you put it when you're not wearing it. Obviously some were just props. Others were characters in armor. So characters. again, very effective when you have a half dozen of the same exact thing. And you don't know which one is real. It usually gets you the first time you go through that room. And the thing is, I go into those rooms and I'm like, I know what's happening. My like the back of my brain is saying, "Look, dude, well, one of these guys is not like the others," and it still doesn't fucking matter. They <laughs> always get me. Right. Okay. So from here, you actually go to the top of the castle, which is an illusion, and they don't really do a transition. It's just an effective, um, uh, uh line of uh, an effective. Um, I want to say line of sight. That's not perspective. Word. Perspective. Yes, because. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah, because you go the um the the walls of the top of the castle, you actually see the very tip tops of trees. So you're still on the ground level, but they've built it so you feel like you're above the trees because you just see tops of trees. Mm-hmm. Very well done. So from there, um and to add to that, to give you another sense of height, there is a Dracula character suspended in the air over you. Nice. Now, that's not the scare. That is to distract you because there is another set of brides characters over. And this is weird. Uh, not weird, but this is unique, too. Haven't talked much. It's not the only time we've seen this, but I, the only time we've talked about it so far in combination, the brides characters are also in boo holes that are above you. So the boo holes open and they swipe down at you. So you're already looking up, but you're centered. You're centered on Dracula right. and just to the left or right. You're getting swiped at fucking awesome i don't know how to describe it other than this word that sounds pretty damn cool (laughs) yeah all right so from there we go back into the castle more hallways heading now we're heading back down into the castle um next room after this hallway is a coffin room so room of coffins of course naturally some are completely prop 
nothing moving. Some are a little automated where they're kind of clacking and bumping and, and uh, the lid is flapping, but it never opens. Then, of course, one that is doing that completely opens and a character sits up and grabs at you. Right. Yes. Of course. Yes. So that's and that's the really the code brown moment. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even need an explanation on that one. Sounds like it anyway. Yeah. So now from this room we go down another hall and then we go into a completely we're still in the dra- in the um Dracula's castle but we get into a new element we have not seen yet from the movie and it's something you would have really liked because at least I gather you would from the talk we had about the movie, they did a reimagining of Renfield. So Renfield has an appearance in this. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they kept the character, not Dwight Fry, completely not Dwight Fry, but a reimagining of him. They again went to the Bram Stoker Dracula source and they focused on the, the, I get, I don't know the, the Bram, uh, Bram Stoker, Stoker direct text. I know the adaptation uh, of the uh, uh-huh. uh, who did the movie. Uh, Gary Oldman was in it. I forget who directed it. Oh, um, god damn it! <laughs> was it uh Francis Ford Coppola? No. Yeah, it was. It was Francis Ford Coppola. I just found it. Was it Coppola? Yeah, it was. Yep. Okay. So for, um, again, yeah. I, there's still more to the text than was in that movie. So. Apparently, uh, if if I'm interpreting this right, and again, this is not checking the direct source, there was the, this Renfield or this character they pulled from and made Renfield ha- was kind of locked away in a dungeon eating the rodents and the animals and the spiders and the bugs that he could get his hands on. And they kind of expanded that idea that he was alone, fended for himself. And kind of turned feral. So this was kind of a feral version of Renfield. He'd been trapped in the dark, chained up like an animal. And when new people entered his territory, he was very protective, very feral. Uh, and I, I mentioned the food because he had a rat that he would jump in the corner and gnaw and swipe at you in a very animalistic, beastly way to frighten you off. So that's very much from the Stoker original. Um, uh, Transcript or, or original media, right? Okay. Like the Bram Stoker described him as like when they when they first found him and pulled him into the asylum, like cats were going missing in his neighborhood. He was eating them. Like rats were going missing. Like it, it was just like he had gone completely feral. He was trying to. He was trying to. And, and I'm I'm saying in the book, not in the movie. Yeah. Um, like he he was trying to emulate. Dracula to become like Dracula. Gotcha. Okay. And he'd seen Dracula eating, you know, drinking blood. So that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. The, the, um, Renfield, I remember from the movie adaptation, it was Tom Waits. It's hard to forget that Tom Waits was Renfield, but I believe he was just in a straitjacket and insane. I, they didn't have any of this yeah. part of the story in the, that movie. So that's why I'm saying I, I'm interpreting it. They alluded to it a little bit okay. because he had like spider pets and stuff like that in, in his cell, but it was nothing like the book where it was like, yeah, he was totally emulating Dracula, but using small animals. Cool. I'm glad you knew that part of the story to kind of piece that together. Cause again, I was just putting it together um, from what I understood the source to be. So that's cool. That, that, that makes, okay. That makes sense. So they, they didn't even really reimagine Renfield. They adapted him they proper just, from the text rather than using the Dwight Fry version from the classic, classic movie. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay, cool. That's actually really cool. I like that. Okay. So it's like it went a step beyond the the Coppola movie. Yeah. I like it too. I mean, it, it's basically because 
if, if you've never read it, I, I recommend reading it. It's a really dark, dark tale. Yeah, I, I should. Like most of the horror movies have, have never even touched how dark Bram Stoker <laughs> really gets. Right. Gotcha. No, I've not. I really should. You're, you're right. All right. Maybe someday, but not right now. Cause I got to finish up this house. Here. Oh. So <laughs> from, from Redfield's <laughs> lair, we go into a portrait gallery and this is a portrait gallery of Dracula's brides, summer lenticular portraits, which we've seen before where you see their pri- uh, pre bride image into their like horrific bride image. And of course now and again, it's not a portrait. It's a character. So that's, they've used that right. before they've used it again and it works. So why wouldn't they, um, from there we go into the catacombs and this is a, very uh it's a mirror room it is i'm not gonna say it's identical to freddy versus jason but it's so much like it without the boiler room additions to it it's the same arching um walkways with the mirrors so a lot of um i don't know that these where these props originated but let's say they did originate for this house they were repurposed a lot with additions from freddy versus jason so you can almost picture exactly what this one looked like yeah Last room. This is the uh, the final final room. Um, this is <laughs> so the last room was nicknamed, or maybe it was in production name, the pressing room. And by pressing room, I mean there was a vertical Iron Maiden with body parts on it that the would shut, and as it would shut, you would get splashed with blood as you walked by it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, that's awesome. I think a better name would have been the juicing room, but pressing room was the uh the nickname, maybe even again the production name of it. And then that's where you, juicer. you exited <laughs> out after getting your fair share of blood splatter. That's great. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's move into Frankenstein Creation of the Damned. All right, so next up in the Usher movies, we have Electrocuted. Oh, yes. Makes sense. We all know where exactly. that comes from. So the story here is the, the story here is a terribly strong thunderstorm rolled over the Universal Palace Theater. A lightning strike hit the building and stopped that night showing. To start repairing everything, the maintenance man started by going to take care of a light fixture that was on the balcony because it was smoldering from the strike. So they want the place to burn down, obviously. So he went to go cut any cut in case the power returned without his extra repair. He went to open the access panel to take a closer look behind that panel to make sure the problem was a little deeper. After he inspected the panel, he walked away and continued to work. After that, a freak bolt of lightning struck again, exploded the entire panel that he had his back towards hitting him and a patron that was lurking in a balcony drinking whiskey. Where were you that night, Quint? I honestly taking the fifth. Okay. Just checking. Well, obviously you're fine because both men were struck dead right then and there in the theater. I kind of, actually, I made it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, he made it. I mean, yeah, he made it. Yeah. Right. All right. So here we go. So Frankenstein creation of the dam also in soundstage 23. So in another place, uh, another location with a lot of room to work with. We start off, this is unfortunate that we did not get to Bride of Frankenstein in our offseason because they've actually taken this story and had it pick up where Bride of Frankenstein uh, uh, left off. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't think of the right words. This is where Bride of Frankenstein left off. 
We haven't covered it, right. but really, all you need to know is that the castle, Frankenstein's castle, where Frankenstein actually had started, it blows up at the end. So we are, that's where we're leading off. Victor Frankenstein has come back and reassembled some of the castle, the important parts of the castle. We walk in and the castle has literally been pieced back together. OSHA regulations be damned. It's just, it's functional. In fact, so much to the point that we are enter the story and this house into the part of the castle where the finale happened and where the explosion actually took place. And this room is still smoldering. So we are, we're right in where Rider Frankenstein left off. Our first encounter is with that classic Boris Karloff Frankenstein monster, but not directly. It's a shadow projection dead ahead of us of the monster picking someone up and throwing him and then kind of staring back at us. And then the film loops. Of course, it's a distraction because in the walkway, there is a character version of Frankenstein monster that chases you from the opposite direction that the shadow had pass through so you watch the shadow go left he comes at you from the right right yes exactly uh, i was just gonna ask like so we've seen casting for jason for when they did the freddy versus jason and we, and we saw how many six plus foot six and a <laughs> half plus foot people they could cast is this was this sort of the same thing they cast a bunch of really really big dudes oh yeah they cast okay you you kind of set up to my next point they cast big dudes because now the story is the story that the universal creative team wrote for this house this i'm not going to say version because they kind of continued the story this edition of the frankenstein saga we learned that the monster Boris Boris Karloff the one we introduced in the movie was not his first attempt. It was his first success. We're going to be introduced to some of his failures at this point. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. So, and that's where we start off. We move into Frank Victor Frankenstein's study, and we get some hints of his experiments. We don't quite. Uh, oh, and we do see because we see um, displays. He didn't. He couldn't. You know, he wants to keep him around to learn where he failed. These aren't characters uh, yet. There, there are probably some, like some, some uh, maybe workers in the castles, but the creatures in this room are not characters yet. But it is f- fantastic makeup. It's like you can see these were to be Frankenstein's monsters, but they weren't Frankenstein's monsters. They didn't quite make it. Great line they walked between making up something new, but making it completely relatable. It's like someone that didn't know walking it knew the story going into this knew exactly oh this is that's i see where this is going this is maybe they don't know that it was the past but they might identify or identify as a future the point is they can identify it as these are ones that either haven't worked out in the past or haven't worked out since right very fine line that they walked and did it so well in this room that sounds cool yeah from there we go into the next room, which is where we start to be introduced to some of the experiments that well, worked-ish. And and here's the case in point. We have, <laughs> we have a half body that's... it's. We're not even talking like it was surgically cut at the torso. The tor- the lower part of his torso is torn off. There is guts, guts and flesh and skin hanging from where the abdomen would have been He's suspended on this kind of almost gear-looking rack by his hands. 
but a lot being kept alive by an electronic heart. It's almost like Iron Man pre-Iron Man. Nice. Yeah. And what's really <laughs> cool about this is that they did a really good use of, um, and I, I, I always like these things. I don't know why. Those little plate plasma things like the Borg use for Oh yeah, yeah, alcoves. This is a little small one, and that was in his. That was what was in his heart. I mean, you you can go to Spencer's and buy the damn things, but still, when they're in the right setting with the right story being told, they're such a really cool element. It really worked for me. I'm sure that some casual goers were taken out of it, going, eh, they went to Spencer's. Hey, I'm drunk and I'm funny, you know that kind of shit." But for me, <laughs> who's who wants to uh, get? Well, they're, they're basically <laughs> to me, they're two D Tesla coils. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I like it too. Cool. Exactly. I'm in there to see the story, to immerse myself in it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not picking it apart because I'm drunk and I recognize something. So I'm already, I'm chastising people well, that may have not said that, but they probably did. If I'm drunk and I recognize something, I'm like, they I'm were frugal. Happy. They went to Spencer's, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. fuck it worked. Right. Exactly. You know? I'm not pointing it out to the entire line behind me because I think I figured something right. out. Right. Yeah. That's, I guess, my point. Yeah. Yes. I get you. Oh, you're ripping on that douchebag. I remember <laughs> that douchebag. Julian needs to be a usher for the uh, Halloween Horror Nights lines, I just realized. Oh, God, yes. Julian Browning, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, next, we go into the next <laughs> room here. Now we're into a room of freshly exhumed bodies. So now we're getting into the future of uh, future monsters, I guess. Some There's some whole bodies. There are parts of bodies. It's, uh, it's a very... I am going to say it. It's very body collectors, but I don't care because hanging body parts and walking dead's done it too. It's a, it's a, it's for lack of a better term. It's a trope, but it's a trope when you're going to into a haunted house that you want to see. So I guess it's a good thing. Not, not a bad thing at all. Yeah, tropes don't have to be bad. Oh, true. Good point. Tropes. Yeah. I mean, it's just a definition. It's not necessarily a bad thing. You're right. Yeah. What's really cool in this room, along with those bodies, is there's some very large mechanical belt-driven generator generator type things. So not only uh, he's kind of evolved past waiting for a lightning strike, we're getting the sense that he is starting to generate his own electricity for these experiments. So very cool, very nice story touch to this room. Nice. As you walk through these hanging limbs, you get the first sighting of Victor Frankenstein himself, and it's when he's grabbing a body that's hung on, hung on a hook and throws it down the hall on one of those, like, you know, uh, 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 shit, um, one of the wheeled lines. You know, the hook is on a wheel, and he throws it down the line. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's a hell of an introduction. That's a good way to meet the guy. <laughs> now we got Victor Frankenstein involved in the story. We turn the corner and there's Victor Frankenstein again, and he is working with a living victim on the leg table. We know the leg table. We've seen it yes. a lot of Halloween Horror Nights, but it works, of course. My first introduction to the leg table was the the Saws and Steam House. Oh yeah, of course, yes, yes. Anything yeah. that they're har- harvesting body parts or anything, that's where it's going to show up. Oh yeah, yep. So it works so good. Yeah. <laughs> they also have the um body collectors five piece stretch body prop that we talked about last time. Although I don't think the stretch, I think it was just actually there as a prop as a body that was cut into five pieces. Mm-hmm. Which worked well for you know the story this was telling. I mean, Frankenstein really is the original body collector story, isn't it? <laughs> You're right. Like You're I would not right. I would not put it past them to 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 merge those two because they own both of those properties right Right, yeah i mean universal owns the frankenstein property they could easily merge those two and have i don't think anyone even the well there might be one or 
to like real purists that are screaming in their grandma's basements. But <laughs> almost nobody would have a problem with having that like be part of the body collector's lore. That Frankenstein invented the body collectors? No, no, just the, the Frankenstein. The, the whole Frankenstein thing was part of the body. No, collectors. no, no. I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, I was, had, just, I was just trying to add to it. No, I agree. I agree. I would love that. They were pulling the puppet strings behind behind Frankenstein. Oh to shit! Make the I wasn't monster, even thinking right? that. Like, that's even better. Yeah. That's like that's that would be perfect. It would be great. And then you never have to touch the Frankenstein story. You just have to add them in the background pulling the strings, right? Yeah, it'd be freaking awesome. I think they're planning everything that he pulled out. <laughs> Universal, call me. I <laughs> don't need a whole lot of money to give this to you. There you go. There you uh, go. Nice. All right. So, um, shit. Now they got my me thinking. It's going to be hard to get through the rest of this, but I'm going to try. Okay. So, from there, we go <laughs> into the dungeon, which is a very jail-like dungeon. And this is where the ex- the mistake experiments are. This is where you have the, the huge, grotesque creatures. This is the worst of the worst experiments gone wrong. These are so bad, some of them aren't even recognizable as Frankenstein's monster because we're already past that point. We know what the story is. So this is just a another chance for the makeup department to go hog wild. And it's like they they some again, gel cells, a lot of them are behind bars, they're swinging at you, but of course we've been through these before. Body collectors is a perfect example where the jail cell kind of just ends and they can reach out at you. Yeah, another awesome room. This sounds like a lot of fun. This place. <laughs> yeah. So from there, this is the piece de resistance for Frankenstein fans. In my opinion, we move in further into the burnt remnants of the old castle. This is part of the explosion point again, not the point, but it's part of the fallout hasn't been fixed. It's just kind of been refitted. We run into Fritz. He has been reanimated. He has been reanimated with one specific purpose, and that is for the original Frankenstein monster to now torture him. And he does so by having Fritz Fritz chained by his arms and legs and encased in this kind of wrought iron device that allows Frankenstein to repeatedly punch him through the back, putting his fist through his entire body, holding his heart as it bursts through the chest. Awesome. <laughs> That's like that. just great. Cause that was the, the, I mean, that scene in, we talked about this when we did the Frankenstein movie episode, mm-hmm. that scene is like, that was just such a wrong scene yes. where Fritz was torturing the monster. Right. And this is just absolutely the, the most awesome thing I could think of for redemption. It is. It, that, I love that because that scene has always, I always felt so horrible for the monster and to see this. And it's like, it's one of those things that's like, what are they doing? If you happen to catch it at the right time, like what the hell are they doing? And the, the fist through the body surprises the living hell out of you. But then when you walk away from it, you're like, Oh, that's a magic trick that's been around my entire life, but you aren't expecting yeah. it. And it's, and it works so well. It is. It's, it's awesome. And there's one more room after this. This is Franken, uh, Victor Frankenstein's new lab. Much more electronics, much more wires, much more cables and whatnot. There's even a pod that is kind of like the power generator. Unless you've seen The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. In that case, it's the pod from The Fly because it is the pod right. from The Fly. <laughs> they use that right. as like the power core, but it's still cool. And this is the finale because it has, it is the demise of Victor Frankenstein. He is so literally, I, I almost made it a uh, indirect pun. He's so wrapped up in his work that he ends up getting entwined and in, 
tangled in the cables and he's actually hoisted off the ground kind of just swaying in the air dead inside his own mastery work so awesome fucking addition not even a re they build it as a reimagining it's not it's an addition to the frankenstein story i wish this was a fucking movie that sounds yeah exactly that and i mean it sounds like a freaking amazing maze like yes. just uh, from the from the very start to the very end it's just frankenstein in every way you tried to imagine it and then a couple of ways that you couldn't even conceive of yeah yeah that's true you know what i mean yeah you know just just everything oh yeah like uh, great sounds like a great maze yep it was <laughs> let us move over and finish up with silver screens All right. um this is the icon maze and that's the why we're doing it last i, I i'm I hope we didn't do it a disservice by doing it after Frankenstein, but it is what it is. Let's do it. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear okay, why. Good. So let's, let's get to it. So last story, uh, last house and last movie for the icon. And it's appropriate. It's called strangled. This is the story of Julian Browning. We kind of already talked about it. It's the icon story. Uh, and this is his house. Silver screams. If you haven't heard the first episode, Julian Browning got in an altercation with a patron, the patron threw his flashlight through the screen of the universal palace theater. He went to retrieve it, got tripped up in some ropes and died. So this is his story. So this is in the parade building. This was walking dead two years ago. Halloween yep. last year, Halloween last year. Yes. So our Halloween, Halloin too. too. Yes. What we uh, when we're actually in the house, we are entering through the Universal Palace Theater. It has been closed. This is modern day, so it's in a bit of a shambles. We enter into the lobby, and as we do, we're kind of greeted by a. I guess it, we're greeted by the usher. It's still modern times, but lo and behold, Julian Browning, or at least the, the specter of him, remnants of him, the specter of him is there. He is at the ticket podium, welcoming you in. He greets you, he ushers you, or motions you down the hall, because those characters, of course, don't go that far um, out, of, out of their assigned range. You go down this hallway covered by vintage movie posters. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I know they still have these, but I would have loved to walk home with these. We are talking, like we just talked about, Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein, Dracula, the movie poster. I mean, they're probably reproductions, because I can't imagine they'd put those collector's items in reach of drunk Halloween Horror Nights people, but just the sight of them was beautiful. So first room, and as you can kind of guess, this is an homage to horror movies, and there is a lot in this house. First room, Phantom of the Opera, and that has a lot to do with Julian's story because that is his all-time favorite movie. So you walk in through a stone tunnel. There's an organ organ music playing ahead. As you're kind of lured to that the uh organ music you move out of the tunnel into the phantom's lair and the first character or at least i should say marquis character you meet is the masked masked version of the phantom and he is playing the organ and he is sneering and staring down visitors as they walk through you exit the lair and you are into the crypt that is underneath that theater and there is the phantom unmasked and it is the lon cheney senior one the the long tooth wide-eyed frightening one not not that the the um claude rains one isn't frightening but this one is the right the, 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 yeah no I, so. I get what you're saying yes okay yeah so out of the phantom of the opera area 
we go into the next room and the next movie, and it's the second appearance in 19 in our discussion of My Bloody Valentine. First thing you see is Happy Valentine's Day written in blood on the wall. So <laughs> this is the this is the modern one, the 2009. This is the minor version. So you have the marquee character for this one is the minor from that version of uh, My Bloody Valentine. He pops up for a bit of a startle scare. You from there, you move into a hospital room, and this is just a complete setup for distractions you look at what's going on on the gurneys but there's more surprise characters around the corner around those stupid freaking curtains that always get me i think they got me in halloween there's always a character there i always know it's there but it always right. gets me yes <laughs> so right um there's a little there's there's of course some blood splatter we move a little bit down the hallway out of the hospital some blood spared walls it's like victims were kind of dragging their hands as they went and we go into the next movie this you would not expect well you would now you wouldn't have then now it makes sense in hindsight with uh, uh or with the history we have behind us at the time army of darkness now we've had um some bruce campbell stuff we had evil dead and whatnot or we've had the start of mm-hmm. this evil dead we've had evil, evil dead at the time i wasn't expecting our uh, army of darkness so it starts with some chainsaw sounds and you have an ash yes. williams and he's fighting off the dead that's it it's just one room but it's fucking army of darkness what more do you, i mean you know what fucking are you gonna awesome. do <laughs> i watched army of darkness before i watched any of the evil dead yes and yes i, I think say, i did too actually Going back and watching the Evil Dead's, they were good, but they were a real disappointment compared to Army of Darkness. Oh yeah, you're right. Yep, that is that is but one of those rare 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 series of movies where it's best to watch kind of the Army of Darkness legacy first, then go back because now you know the yeah. characters, you know where they're going, so you appreciate the limitations and the lower budget yes. and the lower experience that they made making that movie. I think it's better to watch these first. And I think that um, the the uh, Army of Darkness set the set such a good tone that when you go back and watch the other ones, they were trying to set the same tone. Didn't quite do as good a job, I thought. But if you watch Army of Darkness first, you get it. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yep. Yep. Uh, anyway, I didn't mean to segue no, this into good. another rat hole, but um, yeah, uh, it sounds uh, <laughs> that's a good room to to have had. So from out of Army of Darkness, we continue with some more of the Phantom of the Opera. And this is, I say it's Phantom of the Opera, but it's, I guess it's more of the Palace Theater because you have the famous unmasking scene of the Phantom playing over and over again on a screen in front of you. But the real thing is that you should be looking over overhead, and you kind of do because a couple of feet catch your eye and you look up and there is a bunch of hanging bodies from the catwalks of the Universal Palace Theater. There's one body suspiciously dressed in an usher um, uniform clutching a flashlight that is still twitching and moving in this swinging gathering of bodies. Once you're looking up at that and either you if you haven't looked down, you're going to because as you notice the usher is up there, a ghost, a costume ghost, the grayscale that we've seen in so many other houses that work so well version of the usher jumps out at you on ground level so this is kind of the icon room of the icon house right this is this is the meet your maker room it is yep 
Yep. So from there, we walk into another movie. And we walk into this is awesome. Uh, Dave Fox needs to be on this episode right now because you walk into the Shaunt of the Dead. I love that movie. Not only do you walk into the Shaunt of the Dead, but you walk into the Winchester Pub. Not only do you walk into the Winchester Pub, you walk into the Winchester Pub as Don't Stop Me Now by Queen is playing and Sean is standing on a pool table fighting off zombies in that possibly <laughs> the best action sequence in that movie. <laughs> Uh, agree to disagree, but yes, oh, well, okay, that right. is a fucking amazing scene. <laughs> yeah, it is in amazing. that movie. It, the, the, I, I really credit it to the fact that possibly the most inappropriate song is playing during that fight. That's why I think I love it so right. much. Yes. So zombies. I, I think my my favorite one in Shaun of the Dead is when they're using trying to use records to to use them as throwing stars against zombies. That That's is good. my best action scene. Is That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have the zombie fight with Sean. There's also, that is the major distraction because you have some zombies popping in and out of boo, boo holes and some, uh, some prop doors. Uh, you end, this is great. You end the scene, even though it's not in sequence at the movie, you end with the zombified Ed, Nick Frost, chained to the floor kind of nice. ah, you know greeting you as you leave it's <laughs> fucking awesome we're still not done because great movie the next room we go into is the strangers which is another horror movie probably of the time i'm not going to look it up we're going to guess it's probably closer to 2009 maybe a little before this is a very dark uh you're inside someone's house you kind of got the um living room feel the the uh you're inside a uh an urban home which the strangers that's the setting of it the house is dark smoke alarm is blaring there's a lot of smoke it's actually fog of course this has the man in the mask which i believe is the villainous character from this movie he's lying in the middle of the room you think it's kind of a mer- uh, mannequin or a, uh, a dummy until he moves to strike at you so this is another one you don't need to know the movie but if you know the movie it probably means more to you it's just another good setting another good set of scares as you exit the room, there's another. Uh, there's a closet you pass by, and out of the closet jumps out the doll-faced masked um, character from that movie as well. Again, you might not recognize it, but it is. It, it's a fun room to be in. A lot of good scares, a lot of good visuals. And then finally, you get to the finale, and it's not a movie. Uh, we get our last encounter with the icon, with the usher, and this time we have just a bunch of characters playing the usher walking back and forth some of them in more stages of death we might not have the apparition one at this point but he is just it's it's he's not jumping out at you he's not trying to scare you he's walking by you if you catch eyes with him this character is going to match your gaze until you leave the room it's just a fuck with your head last encounter with the usher uh icon for this room and that's the end of the house so i do dare say I think you did it justice by leaving it for last after Dracula and Frankenstein. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a fantastic maze. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was like, it's, it's, uh, it has the pace of, of Jack's house just for, you know, movies instead of Halloween yeah. Horror Nights rooms past. Oh no. And they hit, and they hit some, they hit some amazing movies for it too. Yep. You know, starting with the, 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 you know, some of the very, very first horror stuff Universal ever did. And then, you know, throwing in some of the campy stuff. And it, yeah, it just sounds like it was a great maze. All right. Well, that wraps up the houses. And this went a lot longer than I expected it would. But in a good way, because we 
had a lot to talk about because I I I knew you'd like this, but I'm actually oh, yeah. I'm happily uh, I'm happy to have this long conversation with you, and I hope people enjoyed listening to it too. So I think, I, in fact, I know we're going to cut the episode here and go on to a part a unplanned part three of nineteen. So. Well, like I said, all right, so we'll wrap this up. This has been part two. It's been the houses. We'll pick it up with part three. We're going to talk about primarily Bill and Ted, but the reason that we are also going into a part three is I do have a lot of notes outside of these things that we haven't even touched on yet. So join us for part three. We'll talk about Bill and Ted, and we'll talk about a lot of other cool stuff that I think you, Quint, are definitely going to find interesting, and hopefully people listening are as well. So... With that, I will say thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with part three and wrapping up Halloween Horror Nights 19. So tune in for that episode. Uh, if I hadn't mentioned it, it is at the end of the credits, but I'll mention it in case you switched to the next episode on your on your podcast player. Our um, social media pages are Neozaz Podcast on Facebook. We're also Neozaz on Instagram and Neozaz on Twitter. And that's where we post a lot of the imagery not only of stuff we talked about, but once I start taking a visit to the parks as things are being set up, I share them as on those pages as well. So check those out. Check out all the other things we have going on at Neozaz. So until next week, when we wrap up 19, I'll say thank you for listening, and we'll see you in that next episode. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz internet entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at newsaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. I think I figured out how, but I don't know that I should, how to do a candy corn beer. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was looking up the uh, flavor profile. What what flavor candy corn is supposed to be besides wax? And it's a combination of marshmallow and vanilla. So I was thinking, hmm, if I make an orange, or is it was it yellow on the bottom? Yellow. If I make a yellow vanilla milky beer that's a little heavy... Put that on the bot. Pour a bottle, of that, half a bottle of that on the glass on the bottom. Then make an orange ale with the marshmallow flavor and pour that on top of it over a sp- through a spoon. And then the little bit of the white head, the glass would look like a candy corn. There are certain things that you <laughs> may be able to do that you just should not ever do. This happens to be one of them. <laughs>